Last time on our Florida Gators subreddit podcast. Okay, tell me right now, which one's Jekyll and Hyde? Who's the good one? Who's the bad one? Hyde's the bad one, right? Uh, I Jekyll don't know. Well, like it, it's name. it becomes it becomes more complicated because, like, defensively, you know, you want the bad guy out there, right? Like, uh, so you're, you're, you're okay. You're adding a layer right now, and that's making right. it way way tougher than it needs to be. But it's I agree. Not, but it's, <laughs> I agree with where you're going with this. This is an imponderable. We're going to have to yeah. run some studies. I think this is the perfect opportunity to test out our new mod and to have him have a new assignment. So Zeus is going to be on yeah. this, uh, determining the Jekyll and Hyde effect uh, on a defensive player for us. So we'll we'll get back to you next week on this. Now joining us with a special report, Zeus Apollo. Okay, so, so the strange case of Jekyll and Hyde, uh, first published in 1886, um, or known as simply Jekyll and Hyde. It's about a London legal practitioner named Gabriel. I, I'm just reading the Wikipedia page. I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> I thought he was going to tell us the whole story. <laughs> what an asshole. Welcome, friends and neighbors, to our Florida Gator subreddit podcast. This is Tofree Gator. We are joined, as per usual, by Hammersuit. What's up, Hammer? What's up, man? How you doing? Fantastic. And Zlatan Diego. How's it going, buddy? Let's talk some football. I'm ready. As am I. Um, so we're going to start with a review of the 42-28 loss at the Pretend Death Valley in Baton Rouge last Saturday. Who wants to who wants to get us started here on this review? And how scathing of a of a person do you want? Do you want somebody that's <laughs> really angry, a little angry, happy, medium? I've come around from being really, really angry. I was not I DM'd you guys and I was not in a good headspace on Monday. I've, I'm feeling a little bit better about it now. But um yeah, let's uh let's start with do, the use that do, do, do you want do you want drunk hammer suit? From the day of the game, you, know, <laughs> or, you, get, you get the drinking. I'll start talking, and then we'll or do you see want what comes like sane, able to reflect hammer suit? Like, which one do you want tonight? So, because if you need, to, if you want the former, I'll go get some shots of vodka. No, no, I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. People didn't seem to appreciate that in the game I thread. I, I think I made a lot of enemies that day. Yeah, that was. I thought it was fine, but you know, I tend to be a bit of a glass half empty kind of guy myself. Um, Zlat, let's, let's get your thoughts first. How are you feeling about it? Well, I, I felt really good at first. I was enjoying it. I knew there were some big issues. I reflected on it and I was almost the opposite of you. I started to get a little upset, but I'm going to give you the overall perspective that I'm getting from people out in this part of the country. And by this part of the country, I mean, Mississippi where I live. So these are ignorant. These are ignorant uneducated perspectives not a single person has any sort of education we're talking second grade level shoe um, shoeless homeless obviously i don't know a single person here that has shoes either actually so they have homes but i mean home is a pretty broad definition right uh, they do live in a spot that they go like, to like tents 
Um, yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's more California, the tent thing. But anyways, um, this is SEC West country. All they care about out here are the SEC West teams. LSU, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. A&M doesn't count. But th- those are the teams that, that matter. Nobody else matters unless you're really, really good. So they care about Georgia. They haven't cared about Florida much. They don't. Just, they just don't talk about it that much. Um, after this game, I was hearing from a lot of people how impressed they were with our team. Um, people from, I mean, pretty much every single team that you can imagine. Uh, so the overall mindset I have is the nation watched this game. I think it was the most watched game on ESPN in years ever. I saw some kind of crazy stat with 6.4 million or I don't know. But it was highly watched. Everyone watched it, and pretty much everybody came away impressed. I think Kirk Herbstreit has this one in the SEC now, and he may just be you know blowing smoke or anything like that. But people were impressed. Uh, they saw a different Florida. We all saw a different Florida. Well, we saw what we've been seeing this year, but people finally realized what kind of potential we have on offense. So I'm really excited about that. The offense looked very good. We improved in a lot of ways. Um, there were a lot of issues on defense. I'm going to let somebody else talk because we can, we're probably going to have a pretty big segment on that, but that's my overall vibe. I'm actually feeling pretty good about this, even though it's a loss, which does upset me. Um, I think we actually came a, came ahead in the national perception and that's good for um, playoff rankings. And that's good for recruits. I agree. I mean, that's really well said. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, national perception, I think has changed. I, you have a lot of people talking about us in a, in a positive way. You know, it's not like a, oh, wow, Florida, you know, got blown out. Like, no, Florida went into Death Valley. Was it the, what, the first quarterback in how many years to throw for over 300 yards in LSU? Like, um, it's like, what, in the last, like, 10 years, something like that? It's the first time someone's done that? Um, and until pretty much the fourth quarter, we were neck and neck with what a lot of people people now are considering the best team in the country, or arguably one of the best teams in the country, right? Um, you know, it was good to see. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, a loss sucks, but you have to lose sometimes to understand your your weaknesses, so then you can improve them. You know, and I feel like this team understands their weakness is a lack of superior depth. We have depth, we just don't have elite depth. You know, and championship level teams have elite depth they have guys who can replace their guys like if we have zuniga and grenard if they're both out of the game we should have people to be able to replace them right so i think it's good to see is like cool dan's bringing us on the right we're on the right track because if this was miguel wayne how much do you think we would have lost by like i'm i'm thinking it probably would have been 48 to 10 maybe you know like yeah, maybe might, we might have been a 40 like 50 point loss i mean yeah like brutal. we would have gotten eviscerated right and dan is showing that he can compete at a high level against top teams in the country does that mean he's going to win all the time no he can compete and that's step one that's step one in changing the perception of your program that's step one in changing the direction of your program right because he has built some solid classes he's also got you know he's also inheriting the the tailspin of Michael Wayne's classes right which were which were considered not that great and so he's able to do that at this level so i think if he can continue to 
to improve his recruiting and to continue to, to build the team in the way that he wants. Like we saw what he did at Mississippi State. Like he had the number one ranked team in the country for a couple weeks. I mean, he can build a program that can compete. He just never had the the talent level he has available to him, you know, at Mississippi State that he has the, has now. And so I'm mean, pretty excited to see how everything went. I mean, I think Trask played well. The offensive line looks significantly improved. Our wide receivers are are awesome. Like like Van Jefferson killed it on that drive. Like you know, yeah. I mean, it was really good to see. And I mean, we'll talk about our defense later because I do have a lot of to talk about that that was annoying. There also was some bright spots to the defense. Surprisingly, like you would think, wow, how when you know, they, they got shredded by by Burrow, but I actually have some bright spots that I'm going to talk to you guys about. But I think it was a good it was a good loss. If that is if anything exists, it's a good loss. You know, it's not one of those ones where you're, you hold your head in shame, like fuck, how did we lose to South Carolina at home when we're the third ranked team in the country? Like it's not one of those kind of losses. This is a we fought. We were not good enough yet, but we still gave them a game, and I feel pretty proud about the four Gators for that. Yeah, that was, I think, by far the best um, or the the most complete we've looked on offense so far this year. Um, we weren't just getting like blown up at the line of scrimmage on runs. Um, I felt like we had a decent push in the run game, and we gave Trask generally enough time to throw. I was I was happy. I'm I'm happy with the progress the offensive line is making. Um, it's still a long ways from where it needs to be, but it's pretty. It's it's gotten better. Um, and yeah, Tresk is a hell of a quarterback. Like it's, you know, there <laughs> there's there's no more of a test that you're going to be able to throw at a quarterback than a night game at LSU. Um, I don't think that the sound was an issue for us at all. Um, I mean, he just went out there and he was poised and did exactly the same things that he's done for us so far this year. Um, and that's awesome. It's, it's awesome to have like a reliable, good quarterback. Um, and yeah, so I, I agree. Um, you know, there's, there's reasons for optimism in this loss. Um, I guess I don't necessarily see it. It seems like there's a lot of parts of our fan base that are taking this as I don't know it's it's there's there seem to be some people who are almost like gleeful I, I don't know if that's the right word but like I'm feeling people are almost treating this like a win yeah that and like that's it's just not for me you know it's uh that type of attitude like this this idea that while they are a very very good team this idea that it's like we just went toe to toe with Alabama or like a team that has been competing for national championships for years and years. I just don't really see it that way. And I think that's a narrative that some are kind of running with or trying to propagate. I'm just, I'm not there. I just want to add one thought to that, uh, kind of in line with exactly what you and Hammer were both saying. Um, this is a game that proved we're ready to compete at the national level. And, and that that's huge. It really did. It proved that we're ready to play with the big dogs. That is not a victory, though. That's what we should be doing. Right. And we haven't been for a decade now, however long it's been. We've not been able to. So, I mean, that's huge that we're finally at that point. That's improvement. And that's showing, hey, we can do this. And that's great. But it's not a win. It's a loss. And here's the big thing. 
Auburn, we expected before the season to kind of not be great. And it was great that we beat a but the I think a lot of people, and definitely myself, viewed the LSU and the Georgia game, both of those two games, as the real what's gonna show if we've taken that step forward. We needed to be able to compete in both, not get our asses blown out, which so far we've done. We also needed to win one. We didn't win the LSU game. In my mind, I think we have to win this Georgia game. Might be yeah. high expectations, but it's I, I really I mean, we have to show that we can actually win these games and not just, oh, we're gonna compete at a high level, but we're gonna still lose. That's that's not enough. And do we I mean, does it have to happen this season? Not necessarily, but if we want to show that we're ready, then it needs to start happening and this is a great yeah. opportunity. So Yeah, I mean if we we can I think we realistically out of the next what five games we have, there's only one game that I would say if we're going to lose, this is the most likely loss, and that would be Georgia, right? Um, but I mean, like that's like I'm glad that we're at this level again where people are talking about Florida, and it's not like wow, look how shitty this offense is, you know? Like, how does a team with this much talent have the 119th ranked offense in the country? But their defense does look nice, guys. If you remember, that's what ESPN, that's what they would talk about for years, you know? And I saw on ESPN after we lost. They still they played that that drive that Trask did where he threw against was it Stingley from uh, LSU mm-hmm. and Van Jefferson caught like every pass on that drive the and, back shoulders and the, yeah yeah the, and the guy from ESPN was breaking it down and he goes that is an elite like offense that's what he called it because Stingley is considered right now the favorite to be a first team All American at corner as a true freshman as a true freshman right um. And Van Jefferson, yeah, he's experienced, but you know, no, if you asked me at the beginning of the season, do you think Kyle Trask could throw against a favorite All-American at corner and succeed at a high level? I would say probably not, because I wouldn't even expect him to start. You know, like that's awesome to see that. Like that's that's the narrative now. It's the Florida is is coming back. The like the Florida that everyone expects to exist is materializing in Gainesville right now. I think that is something to be excited about. Am I excited that we lost? No. If you were part of the group chat after we lost that game, you will see my thoughts. Um, <laughs> and they are um, very transparent when it has some alcohol. All right? <laughs> and so that's really what it is. And I'm excited to see where Ford, where Ford is going from there. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Uh... Are we ready to move on to some of our gripes and complaints? Yeah, let's. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I'm looking through my my notes right now, but yeah, the, the I mean, we all know Kyle Trask was super impressive. Um, I think the coaches had a few decisions they made that I was really excited about that I've been hoping for all year. One of which was uh, moving Dean off, putting Marco Wilson inside in this place. And then getting Kyer Elam out, outside starting. I have yeah. thought we needed to do that. We did it. And I don't think we did it in the right way, which we can get into. But I, I loved it that uh, that we were able to adjust the personnel. Uh, and the last thing, Henry, you had mentioned the depth at uh, just on defense, the talented depth in general. And you had referenced Zuniga and Grenard. That's the one spot that we've actually been recruiting at a high level at and landing right. players at sometimes you just have shit luck 
And I think with this game, with that position, we did. We lost David Reese 2.0, I call him. Um, He was going to play that, but we lost him before the season to an Achilles injury. We were not able to get Brenton Cox eligible, which I think that's kind of a side side note anyways. He's more of a guy for next year regardless. Um, Mohamed Diabade and Chris Bogle have both played every single game as a true freshman. And Bogle played a ton in this last game. Um, Moon, I think, is the the other holdover from the prior staff, and I mean he's he is what he is right there. And Carter, I, I don't know if he if he did that well either, but but uh, we've we've recruited the love there. We've added really good players there, and we've just lost. It. I mean, you had you have three your three top guys going on to injury. There's not much you're going to be able to do when you have that as a key position. Yeah, and I'm not saying that like we're not recruiting well at that level. It comes down to talented depth across the board like like if you lose a player like zuniga and grenard even if it's not as effective someone should still be able to make an impact if you're recruiting well right like like someone should have gotten burrow like there were so many times where they could have sacked him but he ran away it's like (sighs) I, i think it was it's a situation where we have begun recruiting well at that position but none of those guys are experienced yeah. enough to be super effective. Although they have the talent, they don't have the experience yet. And so yeah. that's why we, we kind of have to get to a point where we're bringing in that kind of talent in every class going forward. Because we are still, um, we're still paying for sins of the previous coaching staff, at that position right. at least. Well, and the other problem is too, is that you needed at multiple positions. So, right. I mean, it wouldn't have been as huge of a deal if our safeties and linebackers on exactly. the inside, we're both stellar, but yeah. you know we have issues there too. So that was that was the biggest. I, I think that's we are in a situation with our linebackers and our safeties where they are good players, but they aren't good enough players for us to be an elite defense across the board. We're going to have to be one dimensional to an extent against either the pass or the run in every game, because we've got. You know, like we we basically have one linebacker who's good in coverage right now in Amari Bernie. And so we're going to be able to do some good things against the pass sometimes, but not all the time. Um, And then sort of the same thing at safety. We've got guys who are good against the pass. We've got guys who are good against the run. But right now, we just don't really have anybody who's good in all of the situations. Yeah, I mean, you don't really have like overall players that are well-rounded. I I agree with what you're saying. Zuniga is probably the best defensive end that we have had at Florida, in my opinion, um, since Carlos Dunlap. Um, I praise. Like, because he, he doesn't show up on this thing, is he doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Like, like I guess last year, Polite got a lot of the sacks. He was like the, the, the highlight reel guy, you know, but it's because Zuniga takes up so much attention. Like, he's double teamed constantly. I mean, the, the snap. He, couple snaps he wasn't in that game he was creating some issues for that lsu offensive line you know um he just wasn't ready to come back and grenard getting hurt obviously grenard has has been grenard is the new polite this year he's he's getting the mismatches because teams are having to key on zuniga um i'll be honest with you guys i think zuniga is someone that that nfl scouts are salivating over he is a all-around can stop the run he's a pass guy he can drop back into coverage he understands the game he's extremely smart he is 
in the position defensive room helping those guys out. He's in the overall defense. Like we've heard that like Todd Grantham has so much trust in him that like like he will essentially will like call audibles for the entire defensive line if he needs to, based off of what he sees. Like he is a monumental impact. So losing him is huge. Like I'm not saying that, oh man, we should have Zuniga 2.0 ready to go. You know, like if if we did, we would be unstoppable, right? Um, I think it was just my concern was that you saw the lack of elite death because guys get tired. You know, like CJ CJ Henderson for all of his talent, he's going to get tired if he's constantly having to run all over the field because those wide receivers are running complete crossing routes, right? Um. Marco Wilson, it, like honestly, moving him to the star was a fantastic move, and like you saw a little bit of an improvement overall, you know. But I think it's gonna be something that he needs to practice in as a team, yeah. um, you know. But guys get tired, and when guys get tired, they need to sit for a couple snaps. The guys behind them maybe aren't ready to take that 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 step, right? Like like you said, like you know, Dibate and and Chris Bogle are they're young and they're not as impactful. Like three years from now. I expect us to be talking about them like we're talking about Zuniga and Grenard. You know what I mean? But and that's the that's the problem is like and I'm not I'm not blaming this on Mullen at all at all. Like I'm just saying it's just a lack of elite depth, which which is what separates really good teams from championship caliber teams. And that's where that's where we're at right now. We're at a really good team. I think Dan Mullen's going to have us at a really good team for a while. Eventually, he's going to build that depth to the point where we can afford to lose a guy like Zuniga and a guy like Grenard and still have a chance. Does that make sense? Okay. So I think we saw a lot of great execution in the game and there are some issues too. Uh, on defense, we had some issues. We had some missed tackles, things like that, but the offensive line had stepped forward. Uh, I think Kyle Trask actually took a step forward. He just looked better, more comfortable, um, ready to, make the throws even quicker. And it's not like he was super slow or anything before, but I mean, he just, he looked a lot faster in his reads. He wasn't hanging onto the ball or anything. Um, I thought the players played very well. And like, uh, I think Topher had mentioned this, the environment at death Valley with how loud it is, we were worried about, well, we weren't worried about that, but it was, a, it was a huge thing. And I don't think I didn't really notice anything. There might've been one false start on our, Team. Do you remember? I, I don't we know. Hold, we there a, was we one. A, was one in a holding. That's pretty much the yeah. Main. In, a, in a holding, I mean, you can't blame that on the noise either. So I mean, may, maybe there was one or two, were, were one or two missed, missed assignments or wrong routes or whatever. But it was just we we handled that very well. So the coaching staff prepared these guys amazingly. What the coaching staff didn't do was make a good game plan. I was. This is probably the most disappointed I've been in our actual overall strategy. Uh, the offense did what I wanted it to do. I, I was actually really happy with the offense. Almost, almost everything that we did. The, the offense was good enough to win if we had a better. It team was, yeah, it was, yeah. And the offense did what I had hoped we could do. Defense, not at all. I thought they showed up. I, I thought they showed up prepared, but completely. The, the just the strategy itself was just awful, and I and we didn't change it at all. What, what do y'all think? I mean, I was I was pissed. Well, the defense was pretty bad. Like I. Um, it was just out of position. Guys yeah. were gassed. Um, like a lot of props to the LSU, you know, guys. Like they they made a game plan where they're like, let's just stretch these guys because they don't have 
They don't have backups. Like we don't have, you know, five or six corners that we can rotate in like LSU would. You know, like um. So let's gas these guys, and then in the fourth quarter, you know, like like even if they were scoring so quickly, our offense was giving them time to breathe. But I mean, shit, if you're having a run from you know, the left hash all the way up to the right hash and then all the way back to cover some guy doing some crazy-ass route and then Joe Burrow's still slinging it over your head because someone else got behind you. It's like, you're going to get you're gonna get tired and you're going to get frustrated. And it was a lack of adjustments, a lack of, you know, making those, like, at halftime, we went into the game tied. And I said to myself, I was like, if we don't change something about defense, we're not going to be able to keep up. Like, because our offense is good. Like I will have, I, I honestly don't have any complaints about our offense. I really don't. Like they did well. Like and they, everyone did what they were supposed to do. P. Ryan was running hard as fuck. He was like slamming his hand into people. Like just wanted to get through. Kyle Trask looked like an elite quarterback in my opinion. The way he was navigating around the pocket, the wide receivers were catching everything thrown at them. You know they were getting open as much as they can. Because LSU doesn't have a shit secondary. They've got three guys on the preseason, on the midseason um, AP All American team. Like they're not. It's not like they're pushovers. You know. Um, that's why everyone debates who's at DBU. Is it LSU? You know. It's like that's because they're good. They they make a really solid backfield. Um, yeah. So so DB, DB, I have a question for you, Hammer. Yeah. Uh, it looked like I'm not even sure if we played up at all. It looked like our corners were standing seven yards off their receivers every single play. We played a lot of zone. And it, it, am I crazy, or is that just the dumbest thing that we could have done? We played a lot. Of, we don't have safeties that can that are good at coverage, with the exception, exception right. of, like, one. So is, that, is that the biggest, is that the only reason yeah. we did that? Because we knew our safeties couldn't just I mean, couldn't keep up? If you asked me to like to come up with a, like an answer right now, I'd say, yeah, I think it's because our safeties, like, Think about it, like who are the four safeties we rotate the most? We got Juwan Taylor, Jonathan Steyer, Brad Stewart, and Sean Davis. Those are our. Don't four you love that I... we have a four-man safety rotation? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I feel like I saw less of it in this game. We I did. feel like it was, because... it was almost exclusively Stewart and Davis. Actually, it felt it felt like a lot more of them. I saw well, that because they were forced everywhere. to actually play their best players. Yeah, that. right. What a novel um, fucking idea, yeah, by the way. The yeah. horror. I'm sure. I'm sure Mullen and Grantham were both spinning in their own graves. Wow, but it was probably Ron English going. I <laughs> promised these guys extra playing time. Why don't I mean? And though he didn't even recruit them, but he probably <laughs> did. Yeah, <laughs> but he um, promised them. Yeah. Steiner is fucking. It's a mess, right? He he he's great at some things and then not great, right? Whatever. We've already bashed him before. Brad Stewart is okay. From what I've watched, he's okay at coverage. You know, he he's great at run run support. I mean, he's he's a solid guy to be in the back. He's he's one of those guys like if Sean Davis is next to him, it doesn't hurt to have him because if a running back gets to the second level, he'll probably stop them, right? Like that's his that's what he's supposed. He's like a it's like a, like a Patrick Chung type player. You know, he he's okay at you know at covering guys. Might need some help. But is really good at run support. Sean Davis is the pure coverage safety. You know he's got great instincts, um, great ball skills. And then Juwan Taylor is a smart guy, but he's not talented. You know he like if he even makes it to the next level, it's purely on special teams, right? Um, so that's what we have at the backfield, and it's hard to cover receivers man on man. Doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, you think about C.J. Henderson is arguably one of the top five corners in college football right now. He's going to probably be a first-round pick, and he's really, really good. And he actually played really well. 
He had a he couple of, had a couple of passes that he probably could have played better, right? But he played well. And and he's going up against elite wide receivers who will be playing in the NFL. Jamar Chase and Jefferson are going to be drafted high. Like like they're they're really good guys, right? And but it's it's difficult to play man on man for a prolonged period of time because the corner has to follow the receiver. Like they have like the receiver can go straight and then to the left or then stop go all the way to the right go back to the left like they can go wherever they need to go the corner's job is to make sure they're watching them while you know also keep an, an eye on the quarterback to, to hopefully maybe make a play on the ball right so they have to do more work than a receiver has to so it's really difficult to stick to a guy in pure man coverage for a long period of time that's what a pass rush is for right if you have an elite pass rush you can play more man the Which problem we is we didn't have we didn't have a pass rush so it goes to let's play more zone. Let's put these guys in positions to where we're going to give them some cushion. They're going to make some catches, but hopefully we have enough. You know, uh, you know we can we can stop them when they catch the ball, right? Yeah, well, they, they were, we, we were, were worried them. about we were worried about getting roasted deep. I believe. Yeah, yeah, well, because we don't have the we don't have the backups. We don't have the people in the back that can, that can cover. Right. Like, exactly. And so, like from that from that standpoint, I understand what we were trying to do. And I don't think it was the worst game plan. Um, but I don't it, like at some point in the second half when that's not working, like, fuck it. Let's try something different, you know, well, um, like like they could have gone more like we could have gone more aggressive with the coverage uh, from the corners, in my opinion. You know, even if first, even if you've just got if you've just got the safeties back playing deep, playing a deep zone, you know, I, at least go man with the corners and see if you can, if you can stop them two or three plays in a row and get them to punt, which they did one time in the second half. Yeah. Was there a single first down that they didn't get eight yards? It felt like every single first down, whether they ran or passed. I mean, that is just, I mean, they had the cushion. So Burrow was able to throw it quickly. Yeah. Cause Burrow was and, like, all right, I mean, I'll get six yards here. And they, then we'll go they and ran all over down. us. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, and maybe there's no good answer here. Maybe we just without Grenard and Zuniga, we just didn't have the personnel and there's nothing we could have done. If we play them again, like like getting way ahead of ourselves, if we beat Georgia, beat Missouri, get to the SEC championship and play a team like LSU or even Alabama, who has very similar receivers and a smart quarterback. How do we stop that? Can we if let's say uh, Zuniga and Grenard are healthy? Can we even stop it with our personnel? I think they can, but you got to be healthy, you know, or someone's got to step up. And be able to to take over that. The, the problem is that, like, you're going to tire out your corners, and that's where it comes back to my original argument. We don't have talented depth to back up those corners, right? Like Elam, and was it was it Elam and is it Huggins is our guy? We had we had Huggins uh, playing behind Trey Dean in the nickel, yeah. and Steele would have been playing heavy yeah. snaps too. And then you have Kimbrough and Trey Dean are the other corners besides Henderson and Marco, right? Well, and and just to be just to be clear, Huggins was the one who was booted from the team in the the preseason. Oh wait, no, it's Hill then. Hill, my bad, Hill. Um, okay, that's what I thought. Right, yeah, Hill. Hill's yeah, 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 my bad. It was Hill. He um, should play later on. Yeah, no, no. Hill and Elam and Kimbrough, all three of them are really talented guys, but they're but also they're not ready. They're true freshmen. Yeah, you know, they're true freshmen playing in a very hostile environment with receivers that have a great position coach and are put in positions of success with an elite quarterback. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe Burrow is an elite quarterback. Like that guy was really impressive. I, I guess I want to, I want to push back a little bit 
on um, the idea that we were worried about uh, getting our corners tired out because we didn't have depth. LSU ran, I don't have it in front of me, but off the top of my head, I believe it was 48 offensive plays. It was 40, 45 or 47. It was one of those two. But yeah, it was it was under 48. I mean, yeah. that's that's nothing. Like that's even if you're worried about getting yeah. your corners tired out, like you got to try something yeah. different because they're going to get more tired out if they're getting their ass run up and down the field vertically all game long. And so I, I just I think that you've got to try something different. Yeah, like they got to go more aggressive with man coverage. You got to hit receivers at the line of scrimmage, like something like shadow your shadow the best receiver, shadow Jefferson with CJ. You know, put CJ on Jefferson right. no matter where he's lining up, put him on him. Like I cannot stand the you're a left field cornerback and you're a right field mentality. No, fuck that. Put your yeah. best guy on the best guy and let him go. Like team coaches who do that are not smart. Like they're not like that. Like they're not smart. Like, what are you saying? Like, like, no, I'm saying, I'm saying like, <laughs> look at the best coaches. In, like, who, in, okay. In your opinion. All right. Who's the best coach, the best coach in the NFL and best coach in college football right now? Who are they? In your opinion? Bel- Belichick and Saban. Belichick, yeah. Belichick and Saban, right? Any question. Yeah. So both of them were, you know, Belichick has, you know, Gilmore, who is arguably probably the best corner in the NFL right now. Right. He right. is matched up on the best guy from the opposing team all game. He plays every single snap. I think he plays 99% of every game snap. And it doesn't matter where that guy lines up, whether it's on the outside, left, right side, slot, backfield, doesn't matter. Gilmore is playing man-to-man coverage with him because he's the best guy to cover that person, right? Saban does the same thing. He puts his elite corners on the top guys and lets everyone else take up the rest of the matches. And sometimes he loses matches. You know, he, there's like, there's like, you know, if a big tight end or another wide receiver is faster than this other guy, and they make game plan decisions. We weren't doing that. It was like I love Elam and he's amazing. Elam cannot compete with Jamar Chase right now. Like he doesn't have the ability to do so. Right? Um, it's not that he's not talented enough or fast enough. Jamar Chase has an elite position coach who's taught him, and Joe Brady is really good at scheming wide receivers to get open, right? Um, you know, you got Trey Dean, who I don't know what the hell, like, I, I have no idea what's going on with him. Like, I, he was my, like, preseason, I can't wait for him to play because he played so well as a freshman. And honestly, I think he's a better corner than the position they're trying to play him at. They just don't have anyone else to go there. But Marco Wilson might be that new guy. I'm kind of excited to see what he does. You know. Um, well, well, do you do you think we actually keep that though? Because I don't. I, that's no. not the way we we play. Or no, no, because no, because they're 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 stubborn. They are going to like. I think um, like I listened to Dan Mullen's press conference on Monday, and he was talking about like someone asked him like you know you know. Why is Kyle Trask playing better? Blah, blah blah. And he was like, because I run a specific offense, and my guys are going to fit that. And he he did say he goes, but I do like to change and tweak my system based off the skill set of the person under center, right? Like if Emory Jones is in, we're going to probably play a completely different offense than than Kyle Trask, right? Todd Grantham though is historically well known to not change his defensive style. It is going to it is going to be his way. There's no altering it, right? Um and that is one of his flaws. He's still a great defensive coordinator. You know, he's 
probably one of the best right now. But he is very stubborn and won't change it up. And I think that's our problem against LSU is that he was like he believed that his system was going to work. It doesn't work because our pass rushers were out. And and that's how that's how his defense his defense is, is lives and breathes by um the buck position. Like yeah. like if you don't have someone dominating in that role, it does not work. And and instead of completely changing his defensive philosophy at halftime, he just went with the exact same game plan we had in the first half. And we can't keep up. Like our guys they're talented, and it's not that they're tired. I wasn't saying I wasn't trying to say they were t- getting tired out. I was saying, like within the context of a single play. Yeah, like yeah, they're running all over the place. And right. when 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 LSU has five wide receivers out there, who's covering those five wide receivers? You got probably Henderson, then you have Wilson, then you have Elam, then you have Hill, and then probably what Trey Dean or Sean Davis. Well. Joe, someone's going to get open. It's it's almost impossible to keep five guys from getting open unless your pass rush is hitting the quarterback, which we were not doing. So it was just an overall complete dismantling of our defense. It was completely dysfunctional. It was not working at, the, at what it's intended to do, and it's and it's flawed. Because if you're if our defense cannot perform at a high level because we lost Grenard, then what? what? Like like you have to be able to change it. You got to be able to to, to alter how your defense goes. And that comes down to my original thing is that we don't have yet, we don't have the guys that can fill that role. Because if you can, if Grenard goes down, we should have someone that should be able to play at at least 50% of the impact Grenard makes. Does that make sense? Like someone should be able to at least do okay. We didn't have anybody. Like Jeremiah Moon was getting like, like fucking teabagged by an offensive lineman in the game, right? Um, Everyone looked out of position, missed tackles because because they're because they're frustrated. They're getting beat constantly, right? Um, and also, like our corners are not the best tacklers. Like they're not. Torian Gray corners are not great tacklers. That's newsflash. Like he because like their ball skill versus you know being run support, right? Um, so I mean that's just it was just dysfunction, complete dismantling of our defense and. It was unfortunate to see, but I'm glad it happened against a team that isn't going to make or break our season like LSU. Because I think that Dan Mullen, like he's not going to make, he's going to make sure that shit gets changed. Like he's, he's like, no, see, Todd, like we need to change this. If Grenard makes or breaks our defense, something needs to be changed. We need to change something to where we are maximizing our potential on defense, so we don't have this issue going forward. So I'm not super concerned. Now, if we start getting gashed by South Carolina, it might be, right? But I'm glad it happened against LSU and not because, you know, the Georgia game is honestly the most important game we have left on our schedule. Sure. Um, one other thing I wanted to get uh, y'all's opinion on was uh, the quarterback shuffle situation that we continued to see a couple times um, with playing Emery on a handful of drives. Um my own my own thoughts on that. Uh, I was fine with it in the first half when he went in. Um, he was effective. He made he made a really good throw over the middle to Pitts that was basically a touchdown. But you know the the LSU DB played it perfectly and managed to get a hand on the ball um, as soon as uh, Pitts grabbed it. Um, you know I, I thought it was fine in the first half. I'm not in love with it personally, but. 
uh, you know, obviously Mullen is married to that idea. Um, and you know, it, it was okay in that situation, but I hated it in the second half. I despised it with every fiber of my soul. It was situationally just, it was the worst time you could have put him in to the game. And it was the worst possible time that we could have had a three and out. It was terrible. Yeah, it, it actually seemed like we had a drive drawn up, something that maybe Dan had found in the LSU defense, a way to attack it. And I think he had plays called specifically to do that, uh, that he maybe even drew up at halftime. And it didn't work, uh, which, which I mean, that's its own thing. So, I mean, you can you can argue one way or the other on that. Like, oh, maybe it would have worked. But it is it is frustrating that, you know, Trask was getting into a groove and it seemed like we took him out at the perfect time to ruin that groove. Um, yeah. Lost momentum. To throw, off, to throw off momentum. Yeah. yeah it, it was a momentum loser, basically. And I mean, I know that we're playing a little bit of a game here where I mean, Mullen wants to, you know, get his run game going. He wants to develop Emery. He wants to balance things out. But I think another piece here that, that ha- like the only way that it makes sense to me is we're trying to keep Emery happy. We want him around. We want him to know that we're going to use him. I, that's the only way I could, that makes sense to me because it wasn't, I mean, you do not put him in there if you're trying to just win this game straight up. Yeah, and I'm not against that because it has been mostly effective throughout the season, you know? So it's not like, you know, it's not like we're putting Jeff Driscoll out there, you know, having him throw 10 interceptions. But it's like, that was the worst time to do it. Like, that. like, like, I would have been more okay with Emery coming out immediately at halftime, you know, at taking yeah. that drive versus the one he did take where we still had momentum. I'm pretty sure we were still tied at that point and we could have driven down the field and potentially scored. Um, you know, that would have been a lot more effective. And like, and if, if that drive with Emery, if it was the immediate one, first one out of halftime and it stalled, it wouldn't have been a big deal because you know, it's like, well, you know, all right. I mean, let's just put Trask back in, and we'll be fine. You know, but I think that was the worst time to do it because it took him off his game. The timing's off because Emory Jones is a completely different quarterback. The receivers have to play with different timing. They got different routes. You know, and I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback at all, but it's just the worst time for him to be played there. Okay, well, uh, does that wrap up our thoughts on the LSU game? Yeah, I was a lot nicer than I thought it was going to be. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I did. Have, if if you had uh, recorded this the day after the game, or uh, even maybe two days ago, then yeah, it would have been brutal. Uh, if I have any more thoughts, I'm sure I'll just bring them up in the bye week or something. But that's all sure, I have. Sure, yeah. I'm glass half full, everyone. I'm not pessimistic like it was on Saturday. Yay! Right. <laughs> Yay! All right, so let's move on to um, previewing the South Carolina game. Sweet. Um, so I guess Helinski is playing. Um, they said he is just a minor sprain, which is good and bad. So I feel like he's going to be a little bit limited. It's going to obviously a, a minor sprain in the leg is going to, is going to mess up his ability to, to throw. Not, it's not, like he's going to like completely destroy it, but he's going to obviously be limited a little bit. Um, Dan's going to have this team prepared, I think, because this team went into Athens against the third ranked team in the country and just beat them at every single phase of the game. Like, that was... I'm not sure if you guys watched that game, but that was bad. Like, that was the, probably the worst I've ever seen UGA perform 
in like a decade. Like even when Mark Rich was there, like, that was bad. Like, it was like beaten at all levels. Um, and they're they're gonna be fired up. They're gonna be ready for Florida to come into their home now after they just beat a top ten team. They're gonna have a lot of confidence in themselves. Like they're gonna be ready. And I, if you've ever been to South Carolina, that place is pretty lit. That is sandstorm with the towels waving. Like that's it's definitely not an environment equivalent to Death Valley at night, but it's also not an environment that I would like my team to go into after their first loss of the season. So our team's got to be prepared. Um, Mush Champ is always going to play his hardest. He's going to coach hardest against Florida because he's got you know just a little bit of a of a bone to pick with us. Um, I understand why? Yeah. Um, it's his own stupid fucking fault. He got fired. It's not our fault. He was a shit ass offensive coach. <laughs> you don't suck. You don't get fired. We're all aware of this. It's just you know that's you know that's what he is. You know like, he, he should you consider like, he should consider some personal accountability. Maybe he should maybe he should look himself in the mirror and give himself his little fireman speech. Tell himself yeah. that he's the fireman and it's his his job to go out and put out the fires. And now that he has glasses, maybe he'll be able to see himself and actually see what we've all been saying. Man, his glasses, his glasses right. with that stomach are just it's just funny. It's um, wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, so Halinski playing, honestly, I prefer him playing more than Joyner because Joyner looked like he could take over a game with his legs. And we clearly look we clearly cannot stop Joe Burrow from running. So and this guy looks like he's faster than Emory Jones. So I'm like, okay, cool, let's play Halinski. I'm cool with that. Um I think I don't I don't have any issues any issues. I think our defense is gonna play at a high level. I don't expect us to play Zuniga and Grenard, but it's fine because South Carolina isn't as talented of an offense. So I feel like our corners and our other backup defensive ends and, and linebackers should be able to make some plays. You know, I'm just, uh, it's just, it's one of those games where like, you know, you look at the schedule and you're like, okay, we got LSU and then we got Georgia right after that. I mean, we have a bye week, I know, but it's always that game in the middle that just, it's fucking, it, it's difficult. It's a difficult it's game. Yeah. And I'll use, I'll use that to, to jump into this. Uh, this is a game of intangibles. Um, I think pretty much every position group, we probably have an advantage if not a small advantage, it's it's at least pretty close. Um, we're just a better overall team. We have better talent. That's just the way it is. And it's the way it's pretty much always going to be, as long as you don't have McElwain recruiting consistently or coaching for us. So when, it ha- when that happens, it comes down to the intangibles. And they could go a few different ways here. South Carolina is coming off this huge emotional high. And I've seen a lot of teams do that. And they come in flat. I mean, they went all out on Georgia. They might've just used everything they have in the tank, every trick they have, all the mental ability, just, I mean, they prepped, they pumped up and they did everything they could. Boom. You go beat Georgia at home. This is a trap game for them in a way. Now on the flip side, like you said, I mean, they they could just be on an emotional high and actually be confident enough to think, Oh, we can actually win this and maybe they'll show up uh, strongly. But I've seen it happen a lot where a team falls flat. Uh, Our issue is that, we're coming in. This is our, I think, fifth game at fifth SEC game in a row. Is that? Nope. It might be fourth. Nope. It's, it's our fifth game in a row. And maybe there's a, yeah, Towson is thrown in there somewhere. But it, the games have ramped up. We had uh, Tennessee and Kentucky who are both, I mean, Kentucky beat us up a little bit at first. Tennessee was obviously a cakewalk and Towson is a little bit of a cakewalk. But those whole, that time uh, when, when Towson came in, we had the HBO cameras there. So the players mentally out of it a little bit. Um, they had, they had to deal with the cameras. 
Then you have to prep for Georgia or not Georgia. I'm mixed up. Then you have to prep for Auburn. Then you have to prep for LSU after that. These players, they could be mentally exhausted. I mean, not just physically. We're obviously beat up. We have Zaniga and Grenard that are definitely going to sit out. There's no way they play. We're physically tired. We haven't had a break. We could come into this game mentally tired too after going all in on this whole Death Valley experience and playing in that, that kind of loud arena. We might have used all that we have. So this is one of those things where I could I could see some very ugly stuff showing up from both sides. And that's exactly what we don't want to happen. We do mm-hmm. not want it to get ugly because it's all Muschamp wants. This guy yeah. dreams about ugly football. Absolutely. <laughs> he falls asleep and he has these, you know, like you ever, you ever have a dog where they, they fall asleep. They just start like smiling and kicking, like they're running and chasing down a rabbit and eating yeah. it. Like, I mean, that's literally Muschamp when there's an ugly game of football, whether he's coaching it or playing in it or watching it. That's all he wants. And we cannot give that to him because the moment that happens, I mean, that's his bread and butter. He'll win that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just what he does. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. You actually, uh, yeah, and I have it written down here, Topher, uh, you had mentioned, we're coming off a physical game, but we only played 47 defensive snaps against LSU, which is insane, but it's a good way for the team to not be as banged up. I think South Carolina played 95 defensive snaps against Georgia. That's double. <sighs> Wow, that's a lot. Nine, yeah, and they they went to double overtime. That's a lot to play against a team like Georgia. <laughs> and that, yeah, the, and Georgia has this big ass offensive line. I mean, those guys are three hundred fifty pounds apiece. They're huge. They're strong. They beat the hell out of you. That's that's the way that uh, that Kirby plays. So South Carolina, they don't have any guys listed on the injury report outside of. But I'm convinced there's there's definitely there are a few people there that are probably hiding stuff in the same way that we we hid. Uh, Grenard's injury all week from LSU. We didn't let on. There's nothing announced about that. He wasn't on the injury report, but we knew he wasn't going to be fully good to go and obviously he wasn't ready to play. So, I mean, yeah, coming in where you're playing almost 100 snaps, that's exhausting. So that's one of my, um, I don't know what I want to call it, ace in the hole, but we we could easily, we could take huge advantage of that. And I'm hoping we do on offense. Um we're going to have to win with this with our offense. I don't know if we can trust our defense to win it, but hopefully they're not the same level of LSU on offense. I don't think they are. Um, bad noise, not going to be a huge factor. It's still going to be there. So, I mean, we just have to make sure that we're ready. But again, I don't know if I've seen the team not show up ready recently. Um, and, and I don't want to like curse it or anything, but I think that's a huge uh, point for Mullen. That's what he wants to teach. That's what he coaches. That's his, that's one of his biggest things right there, and we've been doing a great job of that. We we have not come out completely flat everywhere. These these players show up ready to play, and so I mean the the whole mental thing I had mentioned earlier, that's something that Mullen's been good at handling. So he's he's done the SEC gauntlet before out in the West. So I think we're going to be able to to show up strong. I'm pretty excited about this game. Yeah, I feel so much better about this game with Trask. Um, you know, I, it, if if we were going into this with Franks, I would feel so much uh, trepidation exactly. that, that we were going to see, yeah, that we were going to don't, see yeah, like an ugly, an ugly turnover-filled game. Um, but I just, I don't see that from our offense right now. And, and so I just, I feel so much more confident with Trask. And I, it's sort of weird with South Carolina, given the pedigree of defensive back developers they have on their staff, 
I, from what I've seen of them this year, I have not been impressed with their defensive back play. And so I think that's a huge advantage for us in this game. They, they do have one person. Um, Israel Mukumo. Oh, yeah. Mukumo. Like um, so I actually watched him play against Kentucky and watched him play against Missouri. Um, and he's really good. Like he's um he's a mush champ corner. Um, they have T. Rob still back as, as their quarter coach, right? Still defensive backs coach, Defen- kind of uh, defensive runner. coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy's really good. Like he on the stat sheet, you just look at the stats you're like, okay, yeah, he's got 37 tackles this season. He's got four interceptions. Three of them came against UGA because Jake Fromm was an idiot and threw his direction. Um, Alabama didn't throw his way. Missouri didn't throw his way. Uh, UK didn't throw his way because he's really good. He locks down whoever he's up against. He's probably one of the best corners in the SEC right now, in my opinion. Does anybody know if he if he was hurt last year? Um, he he's was a true like freshman. A, you know, he's a he's a sophomore. He, yeah, la- I'm talking last year. Oh though. yeah, last year, yeah, yeah. So because I I have it listed that he played in five games as a true freshman. I was I was actually interested because I don't remember him last year. So I mean he he might not I don't think he played in our game or at least he didn't get any stats. But I was wondering if they burned his red shirt for no reason or if maybe he got hurt at some point when they had planned on playing. I played a lot special more. teams a lot. Um, he's a big guy. He's six four. You know, um, he's a six four corner. So he's definitely got the height advantage over against most people he's going to go up against. Um, and he was offered by a lot of top schools for a three star guy. I'm mean, looking at his offer list. He's got you know we offered him. Um, he's got you got Louisville, Oklahoma State, Georgia, Florida State, South Carolina. Um, you know, I think he was on like a watch list for Clemson. You know, obviously I don't think they ever offered him, but you know he's he's from Louisiana, so he came from a smaller school in Louisiana. So he's one of those underrated guys that I don't want to overlook. You know, like I think whoever he's matched up against, he probably will eliminate out of the game. So that's one of the matchups I'm excited about is is Kyle Trask versus this guy, right? But I'm also really excited to see what Ernest Jones does, who's the South Carolina linebacker against um, Kyle Pitts. Fun fact: so. he was at the Mukwamu. He was committed to Florida State, actually. Okay, that's right. That yeah, yeah. I was thinking he, it was something he like that. Was one of the decommits when uh, Taggart came in, or when they fired, or what, not yeah. fired when Jimbo left them high and dry. Um, that damn that yeah. damn Jimbo. Nah, fucking Jimbo. Another reason to blame him. That's all we need. And, you know, so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he he's pretty good. So, I mean, he's definitely one of those guys that I would overlook. The rest of their defensive backs, yeah, not really that good. So, I think our wide receivers should be able to, to perform well against everyone but him. Um, but also, I said that Kyle Trask wasn't going to be able to throw up against Stingley, and then he ended up tearing that guy up. So, we'll see. Um, Ernest Jones is a great coverage linebacker. I'm excited to see what he does against Kyle Pitts, just because I think Kyle Pitts, honestly, guys is like the best player on our offense right now. Like, is he the best tight end in the country though? I don't know. If he's the best tight end in the country. He's probably, maybe he's the most talented tight end in the country. He might not be the most, be- he might be the best, you know, um, he's the best. He's fast. He's big. And I, I, I don't think I've seen him drop a pass. I know there's stuff he hasn't been able to catch, but like he's, he's maybe dropped like a couple passes that were like, you know, heavily contested passes, but he's really good. Like, and that guy is a matchup nightmare. Like who are you gonna put up against him? Like he's sick. He's gonna be taller than most linebackers. He's gonna be faster than most linebackers. Um, possibly all linebackers. The guy's fast, and uh, I'm excited to see. Like I think he's that guy that I'm glad first 
because his emergence has given Kyle that safety net. And if you have an elite tight end who can catch passes and can block, because he's blocking too. Like if you watch, there's a couple times where he chipped and blocked some LSU defenders who should have like just eviscerated Kyle Trask. Like he's really good. He's made a lot of progress there. It seems yeah. like he's really yeah, I think, good. I think we were calling him out at the beginning of the year, actually. Oh yeah, for sure. The Miami game. Um, yeah, he's definitely stepped that up. And I'm and I'm like it's like you know and I'm and I'm glad that you know maybe we're giving Larry Scott a little bit too much shit because he's actually recruited pretty decently for that position. You know, Zipperer is another top guy. Um, who's giving Larry Scott shit? People are giving Larry Scott shit all the time on on Reddit. They're so. idiots. No offense, yeah. but they're wrong. Yeah, he's not the worst person on our offense for staff. I can tell you that much. That might be a <coughs> sorry, Billy Gonzalez. Um, but uh, I'm excited to see. Those are matchups. I'm excited to see. You know, their top corner versus you know versus Kyle Trask, and then arguably our best weapon on offense right now, their defense, because they got some solid coverage linebackers. It's gonna be fun to see. One thing that I've noticed is South Carolina fans. They think that they have a shot at the SEC championship game. I'm not kidding. Their writers think that their fans think that. And I'm wondering if their team probably might believe it too. I mean, they probably right. If their fans and writers think it, that they have a shot to go to the SEC championship game. And that's based on Missouri being ineligible because I think they already got their asses. Right. By Missouri. Um, first of all, does South Carolina have a better chance to beat us without Zaniga and Grenard in there? Or do you think we're able that, that maybe LSU's offense are just fantastic and, with our other guys, we'll be able to handle it. They have a better chance of beating us. Um, I don't think there's any question about that, but uh, will they? I mean, like, I, I, do we handicap it and say, you know, they have a, what, 20% chance of beating us, 25% chance of beating us, maybe a little bit low. Yeah, no, I, I, would, I would call it a 20% chance. And if Zuniga and Grenard were playing, um, it would probably be like a 10% chance is how I would feel about it. I, I don't think they're going to win, but I think it's going to be like if, if I had to pick what kind of game I expect this to be, I feel like it's been more of a Kentucky type game versus a Tennessee type game. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, even if they beat us, like they're overlooking the fact that Will Muschamp is still their coach and that he's going to fuck up and lose a game that he shouldn't down the stretch of the season, <laughs> even if they beat us. Which is why you laughed, obviously. Um, yeah. Okay, well, this and I'm going to bring something up now to see if this changes your mind at all. The Mullen offense versus the must-champ defense. 2006, Florida at Auburn. Dan Mullen, our offensive coordinator. Will Muschamp was the defensive coordinator over there. Okay. At Auburn? 70, at Auburn. Yep. Okay, that's right. That's right. He was at Auburn. Okay. He was there for two years. We and scored 17 points that game. When we had uh, Leak and you know Tebow was the alternate, but we yep. had Leak, uh, Percy Harvin, uh, some of the I'm trying to forget the senior receivers, Dallas Baker maybe, um, seventeen points and lost that game. That's all we could score on offense. Seventeen. That was with Mullen as offensive coordinator. Following year, two thousand seven, at home against Auburn. I remember this game vividly. I was there. I was very angry. Uh, we scored seventeen points, lost. And again, Mullen versus Muschamp. The next time they played was twenty fifteen. This is Mississippi State at Auburn because Muschamp was there again for a year. He's got a weird trajectory, by the way. But anyways, 17 points. Now, Mississippi State ended up winning the game, I guess, based on their defense. Um, was they that up 14 nothing? Yeah, go on. Was 2015, was that the 
Dak Prescott year where they were briefly number one? Or was that that was 2014? Uh, would have been that was 14. Um, because right, it was yeah. that was the first year of the college football playoff because they were the the trivia fact is that Mississippi State was the very first number one ranked okay. team in the yes. first college football rankings, which would have been 2014. Yeah. yeah. So that was po- post Prescott. Uh, uh, Prescott was still there though. Oh, he was. I think I think he came back a year. Okay. After that, I'm not, I'm 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 I think I have it written down that they went up 14 to nothing in the first half based off of his passing. So I'm assuming that he scored some touchdowns. Gotcha. Uh, they were shut down completely in the second half with only 56 total rushing yards. So again, Muschamp got the better of Mullen a bit. And then bringing us to the next time they played in 2018, last year, Florida versus South Carolina, we put up 35 points, which by far that, that doubles what Mullen has scored against Muschamp every single time. But that was based off of almost 400 yards rushing on the ground and four touchdowns, <laughs> which obviously we're not going to be able to do. So the question is, can Dan Mullen score points on Will Muschamp? I'm a little worried based on those numbers. I mean, Muschamp's a, he's a great defensive coach. Like, yeah, great. Like, um, you know, like pound for pound, he might be in the discussion for top three defensive coaches. Like, if he's a coordinator, you know, in if he's a defensive coordinator, he'd be number one. I think. I mean, just he'd get number one money easily. Yeah, like he's he's amazing. You know, and um, I mean, it's gonna be it's it's a game that is going to be more difficult than I think people expect. Yeah, this I is not be, a layup. I'll be pleasantly surprised if it's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I expect it to be a low-scoring game, and it's going to be, you know, who's going to win the matchups more? You know, because he, he has he coaches great defenses. T. Rob is is a fantastic play caller. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, Alabama ran up and down on, but Alabama runs up and down on everybody, and there's still times where Alabama stalled. You know, it's like he's good at at, at putting together defensive game plans, and he has obviously. He understands the offense Dan Mullen's trying to run. Um, but I think Kyle Trask is just like, he's a really good quarterback for what we need right now. With all the wide receivers we have, we can spread the field. And it's going to be a little bit of a different offense than I think Dan, than I think uh, Muschamp's used to going up to against Mullen. So it might be an interesting matchup. Yeah, I think I think Trask might be the big difference there. That, that's yeah. kind of, uh, that, that was my other thought on this, is that while Mullen has not done... God, I hate that their names are so similar, Mullen and Muschamp. I keep doubting whether I'm actually saying the right name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, but whether whether Mullen's performed poorly before, yeah, I just second guessed again. Whether he's performed poorly before, he's done that with a rushing quarterback and kind of a different style of offense. He's had to adjust this year with Trask in there. Um, so that maybe that plays a factor into it, having to switch it up. I'm hoping it does because I'd love to be able to throw on them. We're going to need to be able to throw on them. It's not like our run running game. I mean, while it improved, it's not like it's gotten to a point where, I mean, I mean, they just shut down Georgia, that running game. So I don't know if anybody's expecting to start running all over them, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, just, I mean, it gets going on at the running game. They have a, a guy, Javon Kinlaw. Uh, I don't know, Hammer, if you have looked at him much, but from what I'm seeing and hearing, he's almost on that Derek Brown level, probably the second best defensive tackle we'll see all year. Um, their other defensive tackles are ac- absolute beasts. They got Kobe Smith, uh, a guy who's just dominant and been around for a long time. And then uh, Rick Sandage is a guy that we really wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we had him pegged as a future first round pick. I think that's what we had told him when we were recruiting. 
South Carolina that ended up getting him, and he's fantastic. Because I mean, their, their defensive line is fantastic. So I don't. I want us to start being able to run a little better. I just don't know if it's going to happen at all this game. Yeah, I mean, they got a solid defensive front. Um, front seven's good, and their secondary is okay. Like they got that elite guy at corner, and then kind of average to above average. Um, but it's like that's a talented team with a lot of young guys too. Like that's surprising if you look at their depth chart. Um, a lot of their guys are going to be back next year. So, um, you know, Dan Mullen, I'm not, fuck, Jesus did it to me too. Flat. I'm thinking Dan Mullen said, well, must champ. Fuck. Um, MU. It's the MU. <laughs> and then we, then we hired McElwain after that. All these M's. It's, it's really driving me nuts. Somebody needs to change their name. I vote yeah. must champ. Meyer, must champ, McElwain, Mullen. Interesting. Weird. So, In the water. Um, yeah, it's just, all M names. But yeah, they got, they got some solid guys, but he also, like, Javon Kinlaw's pretty good, but he only, he's not, gonna, he doesn't do well when he doesn't have uh, Sterling and Smith making plays. Um, I noticed that a couple couple games, they, they've been able to lock him out. Um, he's not a takeover by himself kind of guy, but if you leave him one-on-one, he's an impact. Um, so, um, fortunately, our offensive line looks like it has improved not significantly, but it's making improvements. Maybe not in terms of overall run blocking, but they're giving Trask the pocket he needs to perform in. You know, if you notice, they move everyone to the left as much as they can, so that he can go to the right and up if he needs to. Um, which is helping out with his internal clock, and yeah. you know, and that's that's definitely an improvement. Um, so, but yeah, he's 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 a talented guy. Honestly, I. The, the one you would need to look out for the most is um is DJ Wonham, their linebacker. Yes. Um he's 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 the guy that's probably gonna make a bigger impact than Kinlaw is against He us. may have missed last year too. They had so many injuries last year when they came to play us. I think he was one of the guys who was either hurt or I don't know if he missed the game or if he was limited, yeah. but we uh, we had yeah, they had a lot of guys out and that helped. Are we concerned at all about misdirection with the Holinsky thing? Where they are saying that he'll be able to play? But it's actually going to be the other guy. It's actually going to be Joiner. So the MCL thing, the sprained MCL, we found out this is this is something you could play through. Anybody who's watching the Gators now knows this because Kyle Trask did that. He went to the locker room, got checked out, came back in the game. Mm-hmm. Helinski didn't. Yeah. When did he get hurt? Was it second half? I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. It was. It was early enough to matter. I mean, it was. There's yeah, a good chunk jo- of the Joiner was in for most of the third and all the. Fourth. So, I mean, it, it was it was early enough, though, that if he was able to come back, he would have. And he's not the kind of guy who's not going to come back. I mean, he's he's a leader. He, he definitely is a leader. He's on the sideline with ice on. So maybe maybe it was a little more severe of a sprain just slightly. Maybe he has a lower pain threshold. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. But the fact that he didn't come back in or even try to come back in has me thinking there's some misdirection here. Yes. I agree. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if "concerned" is the is the word I'd use because I'm not right. worried about it. But I I think that it's happening. Yeah, um, I agree. I I would be very surprised if we didn't see both of them, at the very least, or maybe just Joiner. But I don't. It, despite his mobility, Joiner does not scare me against our defense. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a losing situation for them. I think Holinsky gives them their best chance if he's ready to go. With that, Georgia had the flip thing happen that we had with Kentucky where we had this quarterback coming in who nobody really knew what he could do. 
And he, I mean, he tore us apart. And maybe our defense sucks. I really don't know anymore with LSU. But he tore us apart. People figured him out afterwards. And that was that. Georgia had this guy come in. They have no idea. I mean, they were not ready. They were ready for Helinski. They knew he was their biggest weapon. And um, they could not handle Joyner. They had no idea what to do. So I'm hoping that there's enough on film. Um, and that, I mean, obviously, we're going to be able to prepare for it this time. I, I, I think we'll be able to actually shut it down. I'm I'm much less concerned about a quarterback that's a rushing threat than I am uh, a quarterback who is going to throw to the right receiver who who knows how to find the open guy who's going to get rid of it quickly and throw to the open guy because we saw in the last game we cannot handle that we don't have that kind of defensive depth to just cover people constantly and with Greenard Grenard and Zuniga out we're not going to get to him either so I mean I I that might go in reverse of what someone is saying earlier but I I would prefer Joiner, and I'm about 60 i i know we'll see him i think he might play the entire time yeah all right so do we want to do predictions here yeah let's get into it um i think we had some other stuff to talk about after this but so let's uh knock him out should i go first i think it's my turn or is it not yeah go ahead wow i really wasn't prepared for this um (laughs) you just asked for it though i know i know but you got to understand i don't think ahead i just talk well let's okay let's (laughs) Let's review last week. I don't have it written down. Um, does anybody remember off the top of your head what your what your predictions were last week? I think I was 32 to 26 or something along those lines, and I can pull them up real quick because I think we had actually tweeted them out uh, to make sure that people could make fun of us afterwards. Yes, we, were we wrong. did. Yes. Um, mine, so I'll, I'll, mine was pretty bad. Yours, do you remember? Or do I have to like look 20, it up? 28 to 10, something like that. All right, I got it right in front of you. We have Hammer Suit. The hammer suit, twenty-one to ten. You asked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were so you were the weakest link in this. You were by far the furthest away. Uh, we had me, Zlatan Diego, at thirty-four to twenty-eight. Uf, um, our offense did exactly what I thought. Our defense did not. And Tofuri Gator, the big winner, and therefore big loser, uh, thirty-one to twenty-eight. LSU. Indeed, I'm not proud of what I did, but I did it. But you did make sure that we read it over. Yes, I did. I would too. Uh, you you got you to brag when you're right. I mean, <laughs> I don't blame you at all. <laughs> I ate some shit for that Auburn prediction. So, you know what? I got to let my nuts hang, boys. This is what we do. This is what we do. Um, yeah. So, all that and all, and all that time, let's let's get to the South Carolina predictions. I'll, I'll go. I, I think that while this could be a very big trap game for us, the stuff that I said earlier, I, I just think that South Carolina might, they're not overlooking it, but I don't think they're going to show up as ready as we are. I think we've been in the zone. I think we will be in the zone this game. I'm not scared of their offense at all because it's must champ and because I've seen that offense and it just didn't really do much. Um, I'm not nearly, I mean, I, I think their defense is going to be on LSU's level, uh, maybe a little bit better with the coaching, a little bit worse with the talent. Um, it's not some super stellar defense. So I think Kyle Trask will be able to handle it. So I think we're going to win and I think we're going to beat the spread. Uh, I will take 38 to 17 Florida. Very nice. nice. Hammer. West champ is a terrible head coach and he doesn't understand offense at all. Um, But I think the combination of us coming off of a loss that is emotional, you know, like it's an emotional impact loss. I mean, it's a big deal, you know, but it's also like we're going to be prepared. I think it's going to be a closer game than people expect, but ultimately the day, 
I've seen much champ football before. Yeah, every now and then he plays spoiler for teams. He did that last week against UGA. Dan Mullen's going to make sure the team is prepared because he's going to probably show them that game again. Look, the third-ranked team in the country lost at home. We're not going to be that team, even though we're going to South Carolina, right? Um, so I, I expect it to be not as high-scoring as Lat predicts, um, but my, my prediction is um, 28-17 for the I'm pretty close to the same. Um, I'm going to go 35 to 20. Um, I think it's a close game until the mid third quarter. And then we just kind of put our foot on the throat. We, we didn't allow, I think we held every team under 20 except for Miami and LSU. Um, and I just don't see South Carolina's offense with a injured, an injured true freshman quarterback or a third string um, DB slash wide receiver slash athlete. Um, I think he was he was recruited as a quarterback out of high school, and then they moved him to DB, if I recall correctly. Anyway, either way, I just don't see them being able to do anything near what LSU did. So yeah, I think we hold them in the teens for most of the game, and they get a garbage time touchdown. So yeah, I'm going 35-20, Florida. And, I, and since since I went first, I'm not going to change it. But I I was I was thinking about it. I just don't see them scoring two touchdowns either. I actually think they're probably going to score 13 points. It's, I just do not see them doing anything. I agree completely. It's I just I'm not ready for that. And I and part of it is my mind is not going to let me think that either. Because if South Carolina comes out and scores 30 points on us, we have huge problems that uh, might be long term ones. Yeah, I don't want that juju going into the into the bye week. I don't want to have to sit and think about that for two weeks. All right. Uh, we have our predictions. Do we want to talk about some other games from this past week, or do we want to move onward? Did we talk enough about Georgia at all? Hey, did y'all see Georgia lost? I did. I did see that. Um, it, was at, it was at home too, right? Yep. Man, that must have oh, sucked wow. for those fans. Wait, what, wasn't it? Um, didn't, didn't the Braves get knocked out of the World Series like the same day or day before yeah. or something like that? And the Falcons lost to the Cardinals. Ooh, Falcons actually lost the Super Bowl after going up 28-3. Oh, wow. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and, and Georgia lost in the national championship after having a huge lead. Yeah, I guess this is, this is empirical scientific proof as to why the St. John's flows north. Absolutely. Can you tell us, though, for people who don't know? Uh, I, I believe that... Uh, let me see. I've got the result in front of it. Yes, uh, it does, in fact, turn out that uh, Georgia sucks, and that is why the St. John's flows north. Oh wow! Yeah. Hey, did you guys know that Georgia's loss to South Carolina, four hundred eighty-sixth loss by an AP top three team in history? Hmm. Let's do the math here. Forty-eight minus six equals forty-two, and they were ranked third. So forty-two minus three equals thirty-nine. What does that mean, Zlat? Well, I believe it's the number of years until they will win their next championship. Oh wow! That's crazy. It's crazy how numbers do that. Numbers are really weird. Um, yeah, they. Uh, what the fuck? They shouldn't have even <laughs> been close. I mean, my god. I, I okay. So I'm going to be honest with you. I had a I had a big deadline. I was working during that game, so sadly I did not get to enjoy it in its entirety and as much as I wanted to fully enjoy it. Oh, it was. I, it was I do epic. have a Georgia fan in my office. Yeah, and 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 um, she was there, or she was. I knew I knew she was keeping up with it, and I actually had a had a project that we were trying to knock out, so that was very enjoyable for me. Um, I had a wonderful I, time. 
I don't think you understand how hard Muschamp tried to lose that game. <laughs> yeah, they, I kept like, seeing it was, There was it a point was where I was really like, oh, they bad. got this. And then, and then somehow no, they it didn't. was overtime. And I, I don't – yeah. I, they I went mean, to I missed, kick a field I missed goal, some of the weird kicking it. things. Or I think you know, Kirby Smart didn't go for like a 60-yard field goal with goggles um, You know, at the end of the game. So they went to overtime. And then like – they like fumbled the ball or threw an interception or something. So then all South Carolina had to do was kick a field goal from like 24 yards away to win. And their kicker shanked that shit. Like it wasn't even like close. That was like, it went to Texas. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it was bad. And I'm sitting there in complete disbelief because this is at UGA. I'm like, there's no way. They're gonna lose now and set in like double overtime, right? Like no way. And then South Carolina is required to go first because the second they went second um, in the first overtime, so then they go first second time. Um, they barely get a first down first couple of possessions. They but they finally score. It was like a, they win by three, right? One by a field goal, they won by a touchdown. I can't remember the field goal. Um, so they they do get a field goal in, and I'm like, okay, so you guys made it. That's great. And then UGA. Makes a couple plays. I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. They're about to score a touchdown. Well, Muschamp calls a like a completely ridiculous timeout, like for no reason. I'm like, oh my god, here we go. Here's another one of those Muschamp epic fails. And then somehow, Georgia's kicker, who I cannot stand, but is really really good, somehow misses the field goal to win the game or to tie the game and go to a third overtime. And that was the most ridiculous ending to a game I've ever seen. In my life. Like it Wait, was, so they, it was bad. They lost. Yeah, third ranked team in the country lost to a team that had only won two games prior to that. Pretty bad. Like on the scale, on the scale of good to bad, I would say that's on the very bad side of of the scale. Uh, yeah. Yep. The, do you think that Muschamp tried to lose it, or that Kirby tried to Muschamp it? It was. I also did not have the chance to watch it live. And so I rewatched the fourth quarter onward. It was like, it was the classic. No, no, no. After you. I don't know. It's, I don't, I'm not interested in winning this game. Oh, neither am I. Here, by all means, be my guest. Please, please win this game, won't you? It was literally, well, Mustang coaching both teams. It was, it was, yeah, it was just, uh, it was a, it was a cat attacking itself in the mirror. As much as I hate, to that that people want to make that whole Kirby to Muschamp comparison because Kirby's obviously better. There might be a little bit of truth to the style. Yeah, just just in theory. I mean, yeah. recruiting's obviously dominant, but wow, that game. That was the most Muschamp loss ever and Kirby did it. He sure did. If there was Muschamp awards, he'd win uh Muschampiest of the year. Would you say he's the Brett Favre of Will Muschamps? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would. I would say that. <laughs> Did you guys know that they that they played together at Georgia? <laughs> that's that, that's a joke because it's something that they beat you over the head with every time there's one of those games. That I, there are a lot of games this past weekend. That was the only one that I really paid attention to besides ours, and I had a lot of fun with that. So, I mean, I'm in a pretty good mood. You know, we had our we had our we we showed the nation we're here. We lost. That sucks. I'm not happy that we lost, and I don't feel like we won. But when Georgia loses, I feel like we won. So all in all, you combine that pretty good weekend. 
Yeah, yeah. it was solid. Like it, yep. we we didn't follow the top ten, which is good. Um, we got a lot of national respect. The team that I uh, hate the most lost. So I mean, it was a good weekend. Tennessee won, which um, you know is generally something that I'm disappointed in. But in this context, you know, I'm okay with it. Let them get an SEC win every year over you know whoever Mississippi State this year. You know, I'm it's cool. that cool it, it keeps his it keeps his job warm. You know, keeps them keeps them there for another year. So I'm totally fine with that. Um, and Florida State got turned inside out by Clemson, which you love oh, to see. I did. Yeah, forgot about, about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm I mean, just I I try, I try to block out horrible snuff films. Um, it's not good for my psyche. So I try I, I try to not have that in my life. It's too negative for me. But that did happen, didn't it? I mean, Florida State's so irrelevant right now. I yeah. It's like, whatever, you know, another day at the office. Was it even on TV? I'm not even sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, was the, it was on the ACC Network Channel 3. Oh, well, then it's really not on TV it, for me. I it was, but there was there was a viewer discretion as advised when they came back from every commercial. <laughs> yeah, the FX logo. Watch that. Yeah, it's got the big M in the corner. I can't watch that. <laughs> Mom, I need an adult. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Moorhead, Moorhead losing uh, at Mississippi State. That's uh, as he's an interesting dude. I thought he'd be doing a little bit better, but that makes you feel good too. Watching them go back to sucking ass. Uh, because I mean, how bad do you have to be to lose to Tennessee? Pretty bad. Pretty possibly pretty. the worst in the SEC. Possibly. Although I, you know, they did, they did get Kentucky and Auburn last year. And so it's like, I don't know, I guess maybe this is Pruitt's thing. Like he works his way up to a minor <laughs> upset midseason, midway through the SEC slate. Gotcha. Yeah, really, yeah. really sticking it to you. Well, Pruitt's probably the guy that'll get that'll get coaches fired then because I mean if he's doing the minor upsets, it's the, the teams that are kinda on the verge. Maybe right. maybe he'll knock someone off later in he'll, the year. He's he's gonna be the new Sylvester Croom. If anybody gets that reference. Croom was okay, so we've got some younger listeners probably. So like Sylvester Croom was the coach at Mississippi State like what 10 15 years ago. Um I think the one right before was he right before Mullen? I think he was. Yeah. And um no, it was um it was I think he was. Nut. Wasn't it? No. No, that was Ole Miss. Good god almighty. Oh, fuck. Pipe, pipe right, down, sorry. grandpa. Um eat some applesauce. What was that order drawn on? That was also Ole Miss. Oh shit! Never mind. Okay. <laughs> you know, there, there are two different schools. Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, Croom uh, had had this knack for like being the death knell for coaches, and he was the death knell for our very own Ron Zook. He's the one who got Ron Zook fired. Um, Crazy. So Kroom. anyway, yeah, the Crooming uh, was a thing. Like before Clemsoning, there was Crooming, where if you lost to Sylvester Croom, that was probably the end of your your coaching tenure in the SEC. For me. It sounds like something, yeah, bad. So <laughs> maybe Pruitt's that. Um, something that we talked about uh, on the subreddit, there was a thread about it um, that was had a lot of interesting takes. Um, and I guess we'll wade into this subject for the first time of what will probably be many. And that is our quarterback situation going into next year. Um, I mean, I have my preferences. My preference is that um, Felipe... Uh, finds uh, a beautiful new golden pasture where he can run around like a giraffe. Um, <laughs> uh, that sounds like I'm insulting him. I'm not. He's a he's a fine young man, and I think he's a good quarterback. But um, I'm ready to continue to see Trask for another year 
and continue to see Emery develop. And I, I hope that Felipe finds somewhere where he can start. That's what I hope. That's not necessarily what I predict, but that's what I hope. Oh, actually, and let me say, um, I've got a duck out here. So um, I'll let one of you guys finish this off. You know, first time, long time. I'll take my answer off the air. Um, and uh, it's been a pleasure potting with you, boys. See you later, man. Have a good day. It's been wonderful. Say indeed one more time before you leave. Oh, never mind. I had to say it because Tofri left. Indeed. Um, I am... I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I feel like Trask deserves the opportunity to go into next season as the favorite with his performance so far. Obviously, we'll see how he does at the tail end of the season, right? Um, I think he's, you know, he's a solid quarterback. He's never going to be, you know, like a Trevor Lawrence type caliber of an impact, but he's a solid quarterback. He's really good. And he, and he fits. Is that, is that from an NFL perspective or from a college perspective? That's probably from an NFL perspective. Like, I'm not sure how, you know, like, like what do you think? Do you think he has a national championship in college ceiling? Do you think he's good enough to really help with that? Yeah, that's that's what it really comes down to for me. Yeah, I think he is good enough to be a great college quarterback because he's got a solid um, quarterback coach, you know, and Dan Mullen and, and Brian Johnson be able to assist him with that. Um, but I don't know if he's ever going to be one of those like, you know, you build the team around him type guys. Does that make sense? Like he he complements the team. He is a Chris Leak type, if I can give you a Florida perspective. He's not Tim Tebow, who's going to win a Heisman, dominate four seasons. He is a, I have the talent and the smarts to lead my team to victory. And so I feel like he deserves opportunity next year, especially transitioning where you have brand new wide receivers for the most part. Um, you know, we're going to have, you know, a lot of new, new faces on, on defense. Um, so I think it'll be he deserves the opportunity to do that. But I'm also torn because I think Emory Jones has the talent to do well. I feel like they hold him back. I feel like I think like he's being held back. And it reminds me of um not at this level, so don't take this the wrong but remember when like McElwain would like refuse to change the offense for Trayon Harris? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes, I, I I remember way too vividly, actually, in horrible. Will ways. Greer, Will Greer, and Trayon Harris were two completely different quarterbacks. And Trayon Harris, like people will say, oh, people who are short can't play quarterback. No, they can fucking play quarterback. Russell Wilson is a perfect example of someone who's short. He's like barely five foot eleven, and dominates the NFL. Right? Um, it's the fact you have to build an offense around them. You got to complement you got to put them in a position to succeed, right? And he refused to do that. He was holding him back. Like, like I don't think Dan Mullen's doing that at all with Emory Jones. Like, obviously, Dan Mullen is a superior head coach. He's a great offensive mind. But I feel like he's not letting Emory Jones play. Does that make sense? Like, like, like almost like... Can he? Like, I mean, we don't... If he's not starting, does he have the ability? I mean, doesn't... Aren't a lot of Mullen's offensive strategies and plays setting up a running quarterback over over a game isn't that what he's good at rather than just like a couple drives i mean yeah that, i mean that, that's that, how i see it's it a, it's like cool maybe he doesn't 
understand the offense completely, and that's fair. You know, maybe he doesn't. You know, he um, it's a very from what I'm aware of. You know, Dan Mullen has a complicated offense. It's not like impossible to understand, but it's complicated, right? And you know, and he has shown flashes, like that pass he threw again. He threw he threw a pass against LSU that, that P Ryan caught it right and we scored a touchdown. Um, that he probably shouldn't have made that, but the fact that he had the ability to scramble out and throw it and had the arm strength to get it there, like that's something that Kyle Trask can't do. Does that make sense? Um, and so I don't know. I feel like it's gonna be. I feel like Felipe Frank played his last snap at Florida. Um, against Kentucky, and it's unfortunate because the dude clearly cares about the team, and I like the guy. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I think I like the guy. You know, he he wears his emotions on his sleeve, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I feel like he's going to transfer somewhere else, or he's going to go probably play pro baseball, try to try his hand in the NFL draft. He might try everything. He might declare for the draft and see where he gets drafted, and then go play pro baseball, or he might, uh, you know, he might transfer somewhere else, you know, maybe, uh, um, you know, go down with Lane Kiffin at the, the FAU and see what happens. Um, I'm just, I'm just joking. I don't think he's actually. Uh, yeah. We're in a weird position with the quarterbacks because yeah. we have three guys eligible to come back next year. All three have started for us all or, well, Emory hasn't really started, but all, all three have shown they are capable of, handling this offense with Mullen and they've had different levels of, of success. You don't get that often. Um, there's no way they all stick around. Somebody's leaving. Yeah. We're in a weird position where we have to juggle this. Having two people leave, that could be devastating to the team. Um, depending on what we're able to add in the off season. I'm actually really terrified of that. Mullen has to be really careful. I'm in agreement that Felipe Franks is gone. Um, I like the guy. So, I mean, whoever doesn't like the guy, they can suck it. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Frank's. I think Trask is a better quarterback right now. We're talking right now, maybe not better NFL ceiling, but Trask is a better quarterback right now. And I think that Emory is the future. What I'm worried about is we're in this position and I, and I've played different, uh, you know, different football. You remember back in the day, way back when, when they had the NCAA football games on this, on just regular game systems, you know, no. when, when things were cool. Um, I was guilty of being like a Saban like recruiter. I mean, that's all I really cared about was just going hardcore, um, trying to, trying to just recruit super high guys. And, and, and you get into some positions sometimes where you have the senior quarterback that wants to come back. And he's like, you know, ranked super high, but then you have the superstar freshman redshirt or whatever that's that's starting up, and he's he's got a good ranking, not as good as the senior. You're worried if you play the senior that came back that your guy's going to transfer out. We're in that situation right now, and I was guilty of cutting or demoting the senior and putting the freshman and and starting anyways. And I mean, that's 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 usually yeah, how I chose to go. Because because future success is long long term future success is more important than the immediate short term game. You know? Yeah, so it's just, yeah, exactly. So it's a lot to juggle right there. Uh, I I think that Trask definitely would give us a better chance to win next year. I don't think there's any question. Uh, and that's over Franks or Emory Jones. I don't think it's even close with Franks. I think Trask is going to give us a better chance to win next year. I think Emory Jones 
I, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not close either, but we haven't seen enough of Emery to know. I mean, and he might not understand it yet, you know, and that maybe fight might be another option. Like, uh, the the big, the, I guess the big final thing here, or just the, the big piece that I'm looking at is, are we going to be good enough to compete at a level to win the SEC next year? Because if are we are, we gonna be I want to trust the SEC there. next year. Yeah, are we? Are, do we have that ability with with the team that we're building right now? No. If we are. I want Trask in there. If we're uh, not, I don't, and I want Emory Jones out there because we need him. Mainly because, I mean, mainly we have, we only have one freshman coming in. We have nobody else on the roster. This is what happens when you have a guy transfer out like, like Jalen Jones did. And he was forced out because he had his issues and that's, that's its own story. So, I mean, you can't foresee that, but we're in a really bad situation right now because Emory is entering his third year. And if you don't get into, if you don't start playing by then quarterbacks transfer out, they transfer out so easily. It's just, that's what they're going to do. And and he'd be very likely to do that. So I'm terrified we lose him, and then we are forced with some kind of weird true freshman, or then we have to start getting these grad transfers, and I do not want that to happen. I mean, I, I put in my I don't know if you I put looking to the future on quarterbacks on on Reddit yesterday, and I feel like I'm we should look in the transfer market. I feel like how our quarterback depth chart is going to look next year. You're going to have Kyle Trask. You're going to have Emory Jones. I feel like Kyle Trask is going to give every opportunity to start. Maybe Jalen Jones is the guy that Dan goes with because he knows Kyle Trask is a team player and will stick around if he has to. You know, um, Jones, huh? Emory Jones, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Did I say Jalen Jones? I don't know. Um, Sadly, yeah. Whatever. Fuck that guy. Um, Anthony Richardson will have every opportunity to, to compete. He's he's physically probably ready to play. Is he mentally? And that's probably the, the question. Probably mentally he's not. You know, so we'll see. Um, he's definitely improved his performance in high school. He's a big guy. Uh, Savage will make him definitely ready to take some hits in the, at the SEC level. He's, he's going to be huge. He's going to be Cam Newton-sized. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. guy's a monster. If, yeah. if you haven't seen him yet, he will be Cam Newton-sized. Yeah, Maybe an be- inch or two shorter, but he is huge. Uh, I have, a, I guess, a concern. I do not want to take a transfer quarterback. I think that's a waste of a counter, and I hate that. And and I mean, if you need it, you need it. I get that. But we added Jalen Jones. We added Emory Jones. We're adding Anthony Richardson. Jalen's transferring out. We have three guys coming back next year or potentially coming back next year who are eligible and good depth in, in Franks, uh, Trask, and Emory. Three guys with experience. Obviously, one of them's going to leave, but that leaves you with two. And I think... I, I really hope we can find a way to have two guys stick around. That That's my big will. thing. And if we have that, I don't know if we need another quarterback. I mean, maybe we do, but if, if, um, if we're well, not going for that championship run, then the sweet, the sweet spot is four. you want four quarterbacks on the team, right? Definitely four, do. Yeah. And, and the reason is, is because like if Kyle Trask goes down, knock on wood, you know, then Emory Jones goes to start. Our backup is a, preferred walk-on <laughs> like that's not good you know you don't want that there's a reason why he was a preferred walk-on um and so you want to have four i can see dan going into the market maybe someone who you know wants to grad transfer to florida really for the degree more so than play time you know at least be there in the in the quarterback room probably a smart guy 
that if we have to, like worst case scenario, he plays. You know, he's like the third string guy. Maybe like know? a Tom Flacco. Yeah, like a Tom Flacco. Um, oh, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tom Flacco. Yeah. Um, I can see that happening. I can also see Dan maybe targeting a lower ranked quarterback slash athlete with a lot of you know high end potential. Maybe someone who long term will play wide receiver. Or, or you know, something like that. But maybe his freshman year, he's like the fourth string quarterback, plays, you know, special teams. You know, you know what I mean? You know, what I'm talking about like, like, yeah. you know, like something like that. Because you want to have enough people to where you don't have to be concerned about injury depth at the quarterback position. This year is a weird year. I mean, Felipe Franks got hurt. It does happen. Um, Kyle Trask almost got taken out of the game. You know, like so. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, you want to have that that security. So I think I expect Frank's to leave, not because Dan wants him to leave. I just think I expect him to leave because it's the right thing for him to do. Um, regardless of where he goes, if it's transfer or whatever, I think Trask comes back because he has shown that he doesn't really care about starting. He wants to be there for the team. Um. I think Emory Jones comes back because he knows he has a very realistic chance at, at competing and winning the starting job, you know? Because um, most of these receivers he's going to be throwing to are his guys. If he's playing on the second team, he's throwing to Copeland and Whitmore and Marks and Weston at practice. He's not throwing to, to Hammond and Swain like Trask is. Trask getting first-team reps. So he's gonna be, so that's that's the edge up on the competition for him in practice. And so I don't I mean, I expect at least two 2020 recruits at quarterback or a transfer come in that isn't expecting to start but maybe like dan's like you have a realistic shot at competing for the job but we're not gonna like you know guarantee you playing time this is something that we'll be talking about next week probably a good bit this is uh when we do our south carolina post game we're gonna be getting a lot into recruiting and what comes with recruiting is roster numbers and with that roster counters um only get so many counters a year you get 25 per year and you can roll them forward if you don't use them and there's ways to do different blue shirts and gray shirts to where you can take one in advance a lot of ways to manipulate it and it has to do with early enrollees it's way too complicated to get into it's not worth it the point is is that you're limited to 25 that's the general idea and we may have a couple extra this year just because we didn't use them all and we got i think we got some back because of um uh, the guys that didn't qualify and you have like steel and and Jalen yeah, Jones. Well, yeah. I think I think Steels is gone. Uh, they need to address that because that's a huge issue, and it's something that maybe we could talk about next week. Um, Brew McCoy, Chris Steele, both come in uh, five star guys or high four star guys to Florida and Texas, respectively. Um, they barely they don't even make it through spring or summer before they transfer to USC. They count as a counter for Florida and Texas, and they still go to USC without having played a down at either school that's ridiculous and it's it's what's opened up with this whole transfer portal thing so they have to address that. i don't think they have yet so i don't know if we get that counter back i don't think we do as of now which is bullshit and i could see teams starting to manipulate that big time to where you have a guy use up another team's counters and you can just get him to flip over to your team why wouldn't you if you had the opportunity it's it's insane but that, that's that's a thing i don't need to get into we're talking quarterbacks right now um I hate the idea of bringing in a grad transfer that's not going to play because that is a waste of a counter to me. 
I think we have maybe 28 this year, and it might be plus or minus one. Um, 28 counters this year. So anybody we bring in this year has to fit within that. We have so many needs. We have so many holes. Like you said, we have to replace the defense. I mean, we need to get 25 or 26 uh, high school recruits. And obviously that's the big goal is we want, you want true freshmen coming in. Guys are going to get in the system that are talented enough and that can play the whole They'll have a couple of spots open for grad transfers and or JUCOs, not including quarterback. Wide receiver, we're going to need somebody. There's no question. Defensive line, we're going to need somebody. Oh, I mean, I, I agree. Just, I mean, I don't. I'm just, I'm just terrified like, of taking one. It's not ideal, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we did it. That's what you know. What I'm saying. Yeah, like, so I, I mean, in okay. So here's the thing. Maybe we'll do kind of what, uh, what was it? Uh, not Bradford, um, the Oklahoma quarterback. He walked on there. Uh, Baker Mayfield. He walked on to Oklahoma. Maybe we'll get some kind of situation like that where we can get somebody to walk on as a transfer. Um, other than that, I don't think it'll happen. You had actually mentioned uh, a couple of targets, and I, I, I was looking at Jack Sears uh, when he first announced, and that was intriguing to me. I don't, I don't know if he look, if he looks like a guy that's going to come all the way to Florida, but maybe uh, Keaton Thompson. I, I'm not going to get into the specifics, but he has, there are some issues with him. Um, like not illegal things or anything like that. Nothing, nothing bad like that, but I don't think we're going to take him. If Mullen has heard what, what the, what, what the deal is there. I, I just, I don't think so. And, and I, I hope we don't. So I, I think he's a guy that he was one that I was looking at originally. I've talked to a few people who are pretty close to the program. I don't think we're going to get him. So we're kind of limited. Maybe some guys will pop up later on that'll that'll be options. But yeah, it's it's a scary situation in that you need to have the depth. It's an exciting situation in that we do have a lot of pretty good options. So at least we have somewhat of a choice. Uh, Mullen has a complete choice in who he wants to play. It's just, is he going to have the dude to back up? and maybe hold over until Anthony Richardson gets on a campus and is able to develop. And, or maybe if we choose Emory Jones, we choose Emory. I agree. Yeah. So I, mean, it's, I think, it's I think we need to go too far. I would, I would just be more comfortable. Too you're, 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 you're cutting out for just, yeah, I, No problem. This is better. Yep. Yeah. I'd be more comfortable if we had two freshmen, if we went that route, even if one of them was like a, we don't expect him to ever play quarterback. He's just there. If we absolutely need him to kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and then move him into a, you know, develop him into like a receiver, defensive back, whatever, you know, whatever it's going to be, um, an athlete. Um, that would just make me feel more comfortable than a grad transfer. I just, I just, I just see that being something that I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I think, I think that's far more likely. Uh, Jahari Rogers, he's a commit right now. He's playing cornerback this year. He played quarterback uh, throughout his high school career, and we have some other guys that we're targeting who have played or do play quarterback. So. Maybe that's the end goal. I don't think we're going to announce that until we figure out or until that's early signing day and maybe see what these other guys are doing on our current team. Any other thoughts on that? I know we're getting, we're getting close to the wire here. Oh, I think it's pretty, pretty solid. I think it's going to be uh, I'm excited though, because I feel like the competition next year is going to be an actual competition. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and you know what? I would, I would like that too, to have those guys come back and actually compete before the, uh, the transfer out the the inevitable transfer out unless of course franks just goes pro anyways in which case then you'll, you'll... yeah i agree yeah so well it'll be good okay, so that, that is it for the this episode of uh our florida gators 
Wraps the outro. <laughs> um, well, goodbye. Is that goodbye? Is that <laughs> yeah. Next week for recruiting and talking about our Will Muschamp domination. Hell yeah. Go Gators. Go Gators. That was a heck of an outro there, fellas. Um, I just wanted to pop in and say, if you get the opportunity, we sure would appreciate it if you go to uh, however you listen to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, whatever it is, um, and give us a rating, subscribe, and perhaps most importantly, Thanks for listening to the show. Go Gators. Cease from quarreling and fighting, evil speaking and backbiting. All these things take no delight in when we're met together. Let a union be in all our hearts. Let all our hearts be joined as one. We'll end the day as we've been gone. We'll end it all in pleasure. Whack for all of all to rely on.